what's going on everybody welcome back to the godly dating 101 podcast it's your boy here um happy thursday i'm hoping that today will bless you but before i get into today's episode i want to give a special shout out to my friend kate warman she's um i I know i told you guys if you're listening to our podcast last year about a conference we were speaking in she put together an online conference and many of um, you guys many of our community many people in our community signed up for the conference let us know how much they enjoyed it. Many people reached out. I'm saying which, you know, sessions were their best. And the reason I'm giving a shout out to her is because not only because she's going to be a guest on our podcast next month, but also because she's putting together another pod, another almost said podcast, another conference. This conference is going to go live February 6th. So I don't know if any of you guys are single or you know single and you're trying to to find something where you can meet people or you're single and you're trying to find something where it can help you heal or single and you just feel as though too much emphasis is placed on people being married in a church but not so much as being placed on people that are single and trying to be whole and how how can they live out you know the singleness in a way that honors god you know so in the description box below i'm going to place a link to to sign up for this conference or for you to look into it maybe you want to tell a friend about it because it may not be for you but i'm also going to attach a discount code with that and i hope that you guys will will decide to check it out because it's going to give you a discount and you're going to have access to 20 plus videos for over a year um, and i believe that'll be a blessing last year i saw i was able to work with her and it was great and i believe it'll be the same again this time around and i know you didn't come here to listen to me rant on and on about Kate Warman. You came here because you saw today's topic. Uh, so let's jump into today's topic. And today I want to talk about the difference between love and lust. Um, I know a lot of times we may even get infatuation a bit confused there. So I may start off just a little talking about infatuation, um, but I believe that it's important that we know the differences, you know, so we can understand the fruit of the relationship that we're in. We can understand um, the type of person that's pursuing us or the type of person that we're pursuing or, you know, you need to understand the relationships that you're in so you can know if they're centered around God and his will or they're centered around self and and the flesh and pleasing emotions and hormones and things along that nature you know so i believe that it's important for us to know the difference because honestly there's a lot of people that say they're in love <laughs> and you know it's not necessarily love um, because god's definition of love and while we may never love anyone the way god loves us because that's you know physically impossible it's only god himself that helps us love you know but i believe that there's still some principles from the word of god and you know, just reality that, you know, can teach us how to love people properly and to see where the approach that they're taking. So first off, let me start off with infatuation, because I believe that this is somewhat normal. You know, I believe that we all are infatuated with the person that we'll marry in the beginning. Um, I remember first time I met my wife, you know, and I saw her doing a poem. She was doing a spoken word and it was called Breathe. And I didn't know her name. And I was just calling her the breathe girl until I met her, you know, <laughs> it was just like, man, I have to go. I have to find a way to meet this girl and have a conversation. And it's just, you know, something that, you know, something about them that catches your eye, you know, infatuation is something that happens very quickly. You know, that little stage, especially when you're younger and people are like, I can't eat, I can't sleep. You know, I'm just thinking about them and you're on the phone and it's three in the morning, you work at seven, you have to be up by 536 so you can shower and drive across town. And you're up at 3 a.m. talking about you're on FaceTime. So what are you doing? Oh, I'm not doing anything. What are you doing? Oh, I'm not doing anything. 
so what are you doing? <laughs> you know, I think we've all been guilty of one of these, you know, one of these little puppy love relationships, whereas it's just, you know, everything about them is so mesmerizing. I like to look at it like an interview phase, you know, when you're, you ever, for those of you who are a little bit older or, you know, you've just gone through a job interview, you know that when you speak with the person interviewing you, you know, they're asking, okay, so tell us about yourself or how do you handle this? You know, you're trying to make sure that everything is perfect. You put your best foot forward. You know, there are no type of problems. You know, everything is just perfect in this infatuation phase. They can do no wrong in your eyes. She can have morning breath from the moment she wakes up to the moment she goes to bed. But man, it's just something special about her morning breath. It doesn't just smell like feet. It smells like feet and strawberries. Like that's that's disgusting. But still, <laughs> you guys understand the point with the with people that are infatuated. You know, I know many of you have been infatuated with someone else, maybe your celebrity crush or somebody you're crushing on, or someone may have had that about you. But a lot of times when we think about infatuation, the person, you know, you don't really know them or they don't really know you. You know, it's really based on how they make you feel. You know, the butterflies that that make your stomach start to tingle, you know, and, and little emotions that run through your mind the moment you see them. That's really what's happening when someone is in the infatuation stage. But when we get to things like lust and love, I think there are huge differences um, when it comes to that. And I know a lot of people that say they're in love, you know, but in reality, when I look at the biblical definition of love, I don't think many people understand what it is. Um, and I don't believe that once we look at First Corinthians, that every one of us is going to line up to that, even if you've been married 30 years. I don't think it's always the case. Um, but I do believe that it's very clear when a relationship is God-centered and one that's not sent by God, um, one that has nothing to do with God, one that can literally be um, dangerous. And that's the one that we want to talk about first, which is lust. Um because of, you know, this is a godly dating podcast, I'm obviously going to mention, you know, like from a sexual um, aspect, but lust is a very strong desire. Um, and the way we, we want to talk about it now is a very strong sexual desire. Um, so it's not a matter of, oh, you like someone, man, well, it would be great to have sex with them, you know, in God's timing. You know, it's, it's, it's not that, you know, but it's a strong desire. It's something you, you know, you want to get something, you know, lust is, is a way for us to try to get something that may be good but we try to get it out of God's context. Like God is not saying you're a sinner because you would desire sex, but it, we end up walking into sin when we try to get it out of God's context, which is marriage. Whereas we get it into with our boyfriends and our girlfriends and homosexual relationships or pornography, um, things that are just, um, um, the Bible says flee fornication. And a lot of times when people read that, people think it's just talking about the act of sex outside of marriage. But fornication, the word is translated pornea, which is just all forms of perversion in general. So bestiality, all kind of things that are just out of God's context. You know, for an example, you know, like I'm saying, desiring sex is not an issue. And I think I need to drive that home because I feel like a lot of people, they condemn themselves, you know, when certain thoughts come up. But I want you to understand it's not that. It's just a matter of what you do with these thoughts. Bible says to pull down every imagination, those thoughts, cast down those imaginations and pull down the strongholds that are inside of our minds, the things that try to come up against us. Because I've never heard anyone say desiring money is a sin, you know, but that lust for the money is when there's a problem or when there's a lust for power, you know, that you'll do anything for it. That's when it's a problem. Sex is not a problem, but that lust behind it is when it really becomes an issue. 
So when we think about lust, how do I spot if, you know, this person is only lusting after me or if I'm only lusting after them? I think the main thing we need to understand about lust is it's driven by a physical connection, meaning you may be the smartest woman in the world. But the, but when when he brags about how much he he loves you and how much he desires you and all that is is how beautiful you are. It's how your body looks. You may have achieved something great in life, but all they can see are the curves. You or or fellas, it may be in reverse. You may you may be doing something you know anointed, and then you know she's thinking about something sexual behind it. Like I literally saw. Um, I promise you, I'm not lying. I literally saw where I was on the choir one day in church, and a guy was preaching, and. A young lady literally said, Ooh, he could get it. <laughs> and I said, I said, he could get what? Like, like what? Did you really just say that about this person? And the, the pre- person preaching was definitely um, happily married, um, definitely had multiple children. And, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm secure in my manhood, but the guy, the gentleman was not, you know, a great looking guy, <laughs> you know, but it was just something about the position he was in that they just, you know, were, were, were just so you know, enamored by this guy. You know what I mean? Just they love the anointing that is on his life. And that's what lust is. It's just driven by a physical connection because you know nothing about them, but the moment they're doing something that's just so nice, or maybe she thought he was attractive, whatever, but it's the fact that you don't know anything about him and you're willing to think something inappropriate about someone else's spouse. That is clearly lust. You know, they'll appreciate your body or how you met their needs, but they don't necessarily value you as a person. You know, you, you, you know, a lot of because a lot of times when you think about lust, um, it's really you know sex um, that we're going to be talking about. But it's a matter matter of yeah, if you can have sex with me, oh, you make me feel good, man, I love you. But in reality, a lot of guys mainly, you know, use use love to get sex. You know what I mean? Like they'll tell you what you want to hear so they can get sex. You know, and I believe that there are many people who they actually love the idea of you, but not necessarily the reality of you, which means that. Yeah, you look great and yeah, you you check all the boxes, but they don't necessarily want commitment. What they want is what you can give them. Um, it's like a transaction for these for the for the people that's driven by lust. Um, you look like someone they'll want to marry, you know, but they aren't ready to do what it takes to serve you and value you. And I think a lot of people have to understand that about marriage, um, about life in general, you know, marriage is really about service. You know what I mean? And I think a lot of times our marriages can be rocky and a lot of relationships in the church can have issues because everyone is like, what about me? What about me? What about me? Oh, they're not giving me this. They're not doing this to me. They're not making me feel this way. Not necessarily pointing out what they're not doing, but it's a matter of being served. So so we have to understand that this is a it's a huge issue because it's all about self. It's all about what I can get. You know, and, and lust, yeah, it feels good. You know what I mean? I don't think anyone in a lustful relationship ever, well, well, yeah, you think that way, but I don't think many people, they know they're outside of God's will or they know they may not be pleasing God with some of the decisions they're making because they're inside this relationship, but it's like a roller coaster. You know what I mean? It's exciting. You know, it puts them on a high, then they're on a low because, you know, things aren't going well. They're not being served. Then they go back on the high. You know, it's how these types of things we have to understand about lust. Um, the main thing is that it really doesn't last because if you remove sex from the equation, there are many relationships that will fail because lust was their foundation and it wasn't love. Lust what was driving them. It wasn't love. They didn't love that person. They didn't appreciate that person. They didn't see the beauty of that person's character. They didn't see the beauty in that person's spirit, but they saw the beauty of your body, 
or the beauty of what you can do for them or, you know, things like that, you know, and I believe that's the reason why a lot of times people are so confused as well, because it feels great, you know, getting those sexual desires met, but the relationship is not not firm enough to, to, to be steady in order to have a marriage because sex does not maintain marriages. There are a lot of marriages that have sex and end in divorce. You know what I mean? It takes more than that to keep a relationship. So lust is never something that is good. A lot, I know a lot of people say things like, oh, can I lust after my spouse? I don't know why people say things like that. Um, you know, if you desire your spouse, you desire your spouse, <laughs> you know, but lust in itself is a very selfish thing. And what we know about love when we look in the Bible is that God was selfless. You know, he was not selfish. God was selfless, meaning for God so loved the world, John three sixteen, that he gave his only begotten son, you know, because he loved us and we were in sin, he gave the remedy for us to come out of sin. Um, because he loved us, he didn't just say, all right, I love you. I'll just, you know, let you die in sin and then save you. No, he sent the answer to our sin problem. He sent the answer to our issues in order to rescue us. He sent the answer to fix us while we were here on earth. He sent the answer to deliver us out of out of sin, deliver us out of our depression, out of our lust, out of our perversion, out of our fear, out of our anxiety. God is like, no, I have to do something because I love them. So love is something Lust is something that is selfish. It's not going to give you anything. It only wants to take from you. I don't know if you ever heard a saying, saying something as the, along the lines of sin takes you further than you wanted to go, keeps you longer than longer than you wanted to stay. Not another aspect, but you get the gist of it. Um, I can't remember the full quote, but lust is never something that that satisfies. It continues asking for more. You know, you're lusting after that boy or that girl, and they're just like, ah, it's nothing wrong if we're just touching. Um, yeah, and then you probably start touching, and it's like, oh, it's nothing wrong if we start kissing. And then you start kissing, and it's like, oh, it's nothing wrong if we start, if we get alone and we do this and we do that. Before you know it, you're going way further than you really thought. And you were only doing that because you loved the person. But in reality, it was lust that was driving you to do things ahead of its season, ahead of its time. You know, so there's no no such thing as good lust. You know, I, I believe that lust is always something that can um, harm us um, in that aspect. You know, so we have to understand when when if we want to see if it's lust, we have to see that this is if it's something that is leading us out of God's will, because love will never lead us outside of God's will. And if God is love, then He doesn't want us to turn to something that's going to cause us to turn out of His will. God wants to give you a relationship or surround you with the right community and place you in the right relationships that cause you to have a deeper walk with him, not cause you to turn away from him because of shame or guilt. You know, we have to be careful, you know, because a lot of times we make mistakes and it's okay that you made a mistake, but you didn't make that mistake and feel that guilt just for you to go back to it. God allowed you to feel guilty and feel shame. He allowed that because that's what's going to drive you back to repentance and turning back to him. That conviction you may be feeling because of the lustful relationship that you are in or the things you may have done, that's God's way of just saying, yeah, you still have a conscience, meaning you still have hope. God is saying, like, I'm still able to wash you. All you have to do is come back to me. You know, when I think about lust, I think that people have to understand that lust is something that has an expiration date. It's only temporary. Yeah, it tells you, oh, do this, do that, you know, do this with her, do this with him. And it puts you on a high, but it's only temporary. And once those desires are met, then it doesn't worry about you. Love doesn't serve anyone other than self. 
lust serves no one other than itself. When you hear those relationships, they're just like, oh, if you love me, you would do this. Or if you love me, you would do that. And I don't mean, um, you know, like you're married to someone and they're, they're telling you you should do better with your character or something like that. No, I mean like someone pushing you to compromise on your biblical convictions, you know, and, and a lot of times we'll, we'll compromise because we don't want to lose the person. But in reality, that person is being selfish. You're not being driven by love. You know, lust is what they're um, being driven by. And that's something that only cares to gratify the flesh. And it doesn't invest in anyone else outside of that. I'm going to turn your attention to Second Samuel chapter 13, verse 1 and 2. I'm going to read in the New Living Translation. Now, David's son Absalom had a beautiful sister named Tamar. And Amnon, her half-brother, fell desperately in love with her. Amnon became so obsessed with Tamar that he became ill. She was a virgin and Amnon thought he could never have her. So now if we jump to verse 15 through 17, this is after Amnon raped his half-sister and took advantage of her. It says this, it says, then suddenly Amnon's love turned to hate and he hated her even more than he had loved her. Get out of here. He snarled at her. No, no, Tamar cried. Sending me away now is worse than what you've already done to me. But Amnon wouldn't listen to her. He shouted for his servant and demanded, throw this woman out and lock the door behind her. Man, reading stories like this, man, it's just sad because this is, this happens. A lot of women, even men, you know, have been abused and things like that, you know, by people who claim to love them. But we see that Amnon had an unhealthy desire for his sister Tamar. You know, and he had a friend who who encouraged him to sin and he took advantage of her, you know, by pretending he was sick. And then when the moment she came in, then, you know, he took advantage of her. He raped his sister, you know, and after he was done, though, this is what I want you to pay attention to. After he was done, he wanted nothing to do with her. Meaning the girl that, man, I love everything about her. She looks so amazing. Man, do you see the body on Tamar? Man, I want her. And the moment he got what he wanted, the sex that he wanted from her, he kicked her out, said he wanted nothing to do with her. He got guards to throw her out of the room and to lock the door behind her. So he literally took everything from this girl, abused her, mistreated her, shamed her. Because he, because in his brain he loved her, right? That's what that's what verse one was showing us that he claimed to love her. He fell desperately in in love, but as we can see, that that's not the kind of godly love that God wants us to have. And a lot of times we fall into we fall into relationships, or we we entertain people that claim to love us, but this is the kind of love that they may have. You know, the Bible says he threw this woman out. You know, and this is to me a clear example of lust in scriptures. You know, Proverbs talks about lust. You know talks about the, the lustful man, the lustful woman, um, and to avoid those people. But at the same time, I want to show a story that how lust is something that will take away from you. And it's based off of feelings. It ba- it's based off of emotions. It's based off of hormones. It's based off how you can meet my needs. Not me loving you. It's me loving what you can do for me. It's me loving what you can give me. And a lot of times people claim that they love you. But now I want to talk about what love really is. This is love. And you knew I was going to go here because this is the, the scripture on love that we all read and we talk about it at weddings and we talk about it in conferences. First Corinthians 13, four through eight. I'm not even sure. I think this is the ESV that I, I wrote, wrote this down. And it says love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. 
and does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. So all these things in the world are going to pass away. But love, that's what's not going to end. Many times we talk about, oh, this person loves me. And then the moment you don't give them what they wanted, they're gone. That was never love. That was infatuation, maybe. That was probably lust. You're talking about people that they want you to do everything for them. They never care about serving you. They mistreat you. None of those things are loves, are, are is love. You know, if you want to think about, does this person love me? Does this person value me? Does this person care about me? Put their name in that scripture. Um, say it was um, <clears throat> me talking about my wife and I'm reading that scripture. Can I say Safa is patient and kind? Can I say Safa does not envy or boast? Can I say Safa is not arrogant or rude? And literally, I can add my wife's name inside this entire scripture. Um, can she add mine? Probably not. <laughs> I am definitely not perfect. Um you know, but that is definitely where we want to find ourselves and try to align ourselves. We want to see if that person is actually valuing us. We need to understand that. Um, okay, when we look at what love actually is, according to what God says, are is this person patient with me? Are they kind to me? You know, because a lot of people are so impatient when you don't give them what they want. They're not kind to you. You know, they, they're envious. They're always boasting. It's always about them. You know, they may be arrogant or rude. You know, they want their own way. They never want to give you your way. They want their own way. It has to be their own thing. You know, they get mad or they resent you when things aren't going well. You know, the moment you mess up, they're happy because they found you. They caught you in a lie. You know, all types of things. If you can look at the scripture and you can see that this person is nowhere close to this, then you know that what 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 they're being driven by is definitely not love. Um, you know, this is something that we have to pay attention to. And I believe that we all can fail in these categories. Like I just said, I can see my wife, I'm pretty sure in every single part of this, like, and I'm not saying that because it's my wife, I'm, I'm saying it because she's literally an amazing woman. But me, I know for a fact that God help her. Um, you know, God has blessed my wife with a level of patience that is absolutely unheard of. Because if I was her, I probably would have left me. <laughs> you know, no, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. I'm not that bad. I don't want you guys to, to think like, um, let me go on intercession for Safa. <laughs> but no, I really think that we have to pay attention to this. They must be showing these types of fruit in order for them to say that they actually love you. Um, and a lot of things we need to understand about love is that love commits. Love doesn't just leave because they're bored, because they're annoyed, or because they found another option. There are so many people in relationships, and the moment you're not meeting their needs, that person says, I'm done. Um, the moment someone else hits their DM, they're, they're just as flirty with that person. They're they're willing to pursue after multiple people. You know, they're they're annoyed by you the moment you didn't do something the way they like. They're, you know, they're snarky and you know, just being mean or snobby or any of those types of things, you know, or someone new pops up. So you're not sure if where you stand, you're, you know, you're jockeying for position. You're trying to get them to notice you. That's not love. Love commits. Love doesn't jump from person to person. Love is willing to weather the storm and stay by your side through the trying times. And this isn't about, you know, scenarios where, you know, there's abuse and infidelity and things like that. Um, but love doesn't require perfect circumstances for it to be love. That's what I'm trying to say. Because we look at God's love, um, the perfect example of love and the love that we should be trying to strive to, to live by, whether it's our marriage or just our friendships or our enemies even, 
at all times. You know, God loved us when he knew many of us would reject him. God loved me when he knew I would still struggle with this. God knew when he went, man, he would deliver me from pornography and then I'd go back to it. He delivered me from lying and I go back to it. He delivered me from anxiety and then I still want to trust him. He delivered me from so many things, from lust, all kinds of things. And he knew I would turn back to him. And God still said, I believe it's Romans 5, 8, that while we were still in sin, that God, Christ died for the ungodly. So God didn't wait till we cleaned up our act to die for us. No, he saw us in the middle of our mess and then said, I'm going to die for that one. That one is mine. Yep, that one that everyone ruled out because she cheated on her husband. That one that everyone ruled out because they stole on their, you know, from their taxes. That one that everyone ruled out that you know you're you're dealing with this and you're in and out of jail and you're smoking and you're drinking. That one is the one that Christ, the Bible said that Christ died for. He didn't die for the perfect, you know. So I want you to understand that love is not just based on how you make me feel. It's a choice. Love is not just something that you know it can. Today, I love you. Tomorrow, I'm not quite sure. It depends on how you make me feel. You know, um, I believe that so often we, we we try to measure love by the world standards, but we need to measure it by biblical standards because we want to be able to live like Jesus. And Jesus did not pick and choose who he was going to love. He did not pick and choose. Oh, no one likes Zacchaeus. Oh, this guy's robbing everybody. Okay. Yep. That's the one I want to love. Oh, you guys are ready to stone this woman? Because she, you know, got all these, you know, fell into adultery. Okay. Well, that's the one that I love. Oh, the woman at the well who a Jew shouldn't even be talking to because she's a Samaritan. Oh, the one with the five husbands. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, I love that one. You know, and that's what love does. Love chooses to commit in the midst of everyone else ridiculing, everyone else, you know, rejecting. Love does not just jump ship every single time. It's frustrated. You know, love is the only foundation that I believe can sustain a relationship. I know a lot of people, they, they talk to people based off their status, but that can fail. A lot of people, they talk to you based on how much money you have, but that can leave. You know, a lot of money is fickle, man. I wonder if people really know that, you know, some people, they only talk to you because of looks, you know, but if the looks fade, they're gone. Or if they find someone else who they think is more attractive, they're gone. And we have to understand what the scriptures just said about love, that if it fails, that was never love. You know, and I and I don't believe that this is um, in regards to, you know, divorce, because I believe that you can divorce someone that you love, because sometimes you have to love yourself. And I think a lot of men and women, they endure abuse or they endure cheating or they endure a lot of things because they're worried about how it may be viewed by others. But I don't believe that, you know, leaving meant they didn't love them. Um, many divorces didn't happen, you know, simply because someone fell out of love, in my opinion. You know, I believe that that shows that they were choosing to be more connected to their emotions rather than to the covenant. Um, they weren't worried about how God felt more than they were worried about how they felt, if that makes sense. You know, and I believe that divorce exists because we can be very selfish as humans. We can, you know, get all of our needs met outside of our spouse or mistreat our spouse if they're not meeting our needs. And that's the reason why things like divorce happen. You know, we want to be served without serving them, you know, but if a couple if a couple is committed to one another and are willing to work through obstacles, divorce wouldn't even be such an easy option when problems um, were rising up. Despite, you know, whatever may happen, you know, divorce wouldn't be an easy option if that couple were serving one another the way that God intended and loving in, um, one another the way God intended. Um, but committing to a toxic person is not what I'm saying. I don't believe that that's love. You know, sometimes a person 
you know, they're really leaving and they still love you, you know, but I don't believe that committing to that person shows that you love them. Sometimes, you know, we're just being foolish in that decision, honestly, because God doesn't want you to commit to something that he isn't a part of. God doesn't want us attached to something because we are afraid, you know, maybe I won't find anyone new. No one else will ever love me because I have kids or because I went through this, I'm divorced or, you know, things like that. You know, the enemy will use the play, play games on your mind. But I believe that that's really just the enemy trying to, to play a game in your mind. I believe that's just a lie of the enemy, you know, trying to tell you that you need to commit to dysfunction because God won't bless you with anything else. No, I believe that God can't bless some of us with anything else because we're not willing to let go of the connections that we've already made, where we were not willing to let go of the ungodly connections that he never placed in our life. You know, so we have to be careful that we're not allowing ourselves, you know, basically to get wrapped up into things that God never intended for us to have. You know, but another thing about love that I want to mention, um, probably the last thing is that love pours into you. You know, you need to, I want us to view it like a bank, you know, like when you put money in, you know, you deposit money in the bank. Is this person withdrawing money or are they depositing money? Because love will pour into you. Love is not something that simply comes to take away from you. Love is something that comes to uplift you. It comes to put you back on track, to pour into you, to remind you of who you are in Christ, to remind you of your purpose, to remind you that you don't need to give up, to remind you that you have a future and hope. And a lot of times, many of us, we settle for things and people that degrade us or people that they're, they're just there, you know, but they're not adding any value because we feel as though, well, maybe nothing else will be there, you know, but that's not what God's will is, you know? And I think that many of us, we have to understand and take a moment now to see the relationships that, you know, we're in. Are we able to, to fix it? If this is something that can't be fixed, then obviously, yeah, you need to go. But is this person showing love? Is this just infatuation because we just met last week and we've been texting and they I love them to the moon and back, blah, blah, blah. Or is this true love? Or is this something that they've seen the ugly side and they're willing to work work through it and pray through it and go to God and, and you guys keep God at the center? Is that what is happening? And I believe that those are perfect examples, you know, of actual love. But what I'm gonna do, I wanna I'm gonna post. Um, probably the data's post, uh, a post about love and lust. And I want to see what are your thoughts on the differences between love and lust. Um, if this podcast blessed you, though, I would love if you guys would share this with a friend. I would love that you check out the conference that I mentioned in the beginning of this episode. The conference is going to be a blessing. It's definitely geared towards singles and people that are dating. So if you are engaged or married, I'm sorry, I probably won't bless you, but you can definitely still get a ticket for a friend. Um, but if you are single and you're looking for ways, you know, to get through this season or ways to to enjoy your singleness, there is there even have a way. I'm sorry. There is even a way to connect with other singles the day this releases. But you would have to be signed up prior to release on February 6th. So they'll have different Zoom calls, whereas, you know, they set up ways and I'm not sure all the details and I'm not giving out all the details of what I do know because I don't want to have you guys over here talking like, oh, no, I'm good. No, I'm good. No, I want you to check it out. Check it out. Enjoy it. The link will be in the description box. And as always, man, we love you guys. We appreciate you guys. And we'll be seeing you next Thursday. And Safa will be back then. Peace.